Goldthorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Nancy Cavanici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen anyone get So in over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, sprinting ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record. 9.68, the wind is okay. How easy was that? It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for one massive, massive interview. Christian Taylor, American long jump superstar, one of the most dominant athletes in the sport of athletics over the last decade. Four-time world champion, two-time Olympic champion. And basically the only reason why he's not a three-time Olympic champion is unfortunately he got injured just before the Tokyo Olympics earlier this year. So absolutely dominated triple jump over the 2010s. And this is a, a fascinating chat with Christian learning how he got into the sport and how the sport really found him. It wasn't exactly a sport that he started off as a junior going straight into triple jump. He tried his hand at many different pursuits and sort of had this sport discover him. So it's a very interesting chat learning about that. How he's able to use a unique mental edge over his competitors and why he believes he has been so dominant in the sport over the last decade. And we also learn a whole bunch of other stuff here. He talks a lot about food, which kind of gets me a little bit hungry. It's my own fault for asking the questions, but hey, got to do my job. And also meeting Obama and going to school with Brian Lochte. That's always a good starting point for a conversation when it comes to an interview. So here is our chat with US Olympic superstar, two-time gold medalist in the sport of triple jump, Christian Taylor. Such a massive honour to welcome our next guest here today. So much to go through on his resume that I'm just going to border this down to a two-time Olympic champion, a four-time world champion, a seven-time Diamond League champion, and somebody who I'm actually very jealous to be speaking of today who's had an amazing breakfast. I don't usually mention what people have for breakfast off air (laughs) because uh, it's not something that I usually like to say, but he's literally just mentioned it to me and now I'm very hungry going into this interview. (laughs) It's a pleasure to welcome to Off the Podium the one, the only, Mr. Christian Taylor. First of all, Christian, welcome to the program. It's such a pleasure to speak with you today. Cheers, Ben. Thank you so much. Uh, Very happy that we can sit here and and have a nice chat but uh good morning to to all the listeners good afternoon uh good night based off where you're listening to but no very excited for this i yeah as i'm just i'm thinking of grit now i'm thinking of southern cooking i just i shouldn't have asked you that question i should have moved on to something a little bit more but i'm i'm so fascinated to to learn more about your career because when you look at some of the most dominant athletes in the sport of athletics over the last decade, your name easily comes to very much near the top of that list. And and triple jump is a, a sport that I've always been fascinated by because it's just such a unique event that you sort of want to add a couple of different elements to just jumping really long and really far. I mean, what point 
growing up, Christian, through all your athletic career and everything, did you first try triple jump and realize, okay, I'm going to make myself, uh, you know, into a, an athlete that does a little bit of extra work considering just, you know, jumping long. I'm going to add a couple of extra steps to that. Right, right. Yeah. So um, I got into track and field, um, even cross country around the age 12, 13. Um, but really, I was considered like an All-American at the beginning. Right. So I tried baseball, basketball, American football, soccer, uh, tennis, golf. I mean, the works like literally my parents just said, don't knock it before you try it. Go out there, um, see what you're good at, see what you like, find your passion. Um, and, and I really did. I, I, I tried it all. And, and very quickly, I realized with baseball, I, you know, my hand-eye coordination was, was not on par. So I couldn't hit a ball to save my life. Um, you know, with golf, it, I, I just, I was so frustrated, you know, one out of every 20 shots uh, you finally get. And I just thought, you know what, this is mad. Like, I'm going to go crazy if I continue doing this, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and really it was just trial and error, but eventually I got, you know, into athletics and, and really tried it all. So, uh, you know, went to run across country, the distance running two miles and, and realized very quickly, this was not my, my buildup, my natural buildup and went to sprints and, and found out that I didn't have the explosivity of, of a hundred meter runner. Um, eventually got to the jumps. I, you know, I love jumping around the house and, and with all the other sports, uh, I was always jumping around. It became very natural to me. Um, did the long jump was, was very good. And, and, after a while, I almost became bored. And, and I thought, you know what, like, maybe I'll try the high jump and I'll, I'll dabble into this triple jump. Uh, but when the coach saw that I was the only one in the class that, that could actually make the sand for the triple jump, I wasn't landing back on the runway. He, he said that, you know, I'm going to be the triple jumper for the school, that we'd get points uh, in an area that we normally wouldn't, you know, for a school um, competition. And, and from then on, I just started to to dabble into it, to watch more movies on it and, and to learn maybe how to get better. And, and then the passion grew. Wow. I love that. I love kind of hearing sort of, you know, our guests who dabble in so many different sports and it kind of almost finds them in a weird way, exactly. doesn't it? That, that, that sort yeah. of there. I mean, w when you start getting into the triple jump and you said you'd been doing long jump for a while, I mean, outside of the obvious, adding a couple of different steps to it. I mean, kind of what were some of the more difficult aspects of, I guess, overcoming the long jump aspect to add the extra elements that bring triple jump into the uniqueness that it is? Yeah, the, the interesting challenge from early on was just finding that balance, right? So, and I think this is with everyone that's ever tried it, they have a massive hop because you have this big run long, uh, run on the on the runway and then you take off and then it's like, oh shoot, like what's next, right? And hmm. and just finding that balance of, of the, the proper height off the, the takeoff, the, the proper distance, so not going too far where you just, I mean, completely buckle and, and lose yourself. Um, but not, you know, cutting yourself short that, you know, then the, the pit seems so far away. Uh, and, and I mean, that was just so fun to me because similar to golf, you know, I, I really love taking on challenges. Uh, but I found that, you know, my, the chances of executing something properly were higher for triple jump for me than, than, you know, a golf swing, hitting it straight down the fairway. Um, you know, and, and I thought maybe if, if out of six jumps, I get two, right. Yeah. I feel pretty good about that. And, and it was just with every jump, I just learned a, a bit more about myself. I gained a bit more confidence. Uh, I learned, um, the, the different uh, elements and, 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 and factors that went into it. But I, you know, I also very quickly, the, the coach was very excited because every week it was like a personal best. Every week was, was, you know, I was getting further and further, which meant you know, more points for the team. 
In terms of all of those ambitions moving forward with all those different sports you were doing, did you set yourself a target? Was like an Olympics always a goal? Was it kind of a case of just going as far as you could in any of those sports you were trying and I guess creating a career for yourself uh, in, in sports somewhere? Yeah. So uh, a little personal about myself, I'm, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia and, you know, having the 96 games there uh, was very inspiring for me, uh, you know, so to, to grow up and, and uh, to hear, and, and, and see, you know, Michael Johnson light up the track, right? Uh, in 96, this is where, you know, he broke the 200 world record and, and, and you know, just the 400, the golden shoes, the chain, um, you know, there was so much that, that I was really inspired from, from a young age. Uh, and my passion was really soccer. I, you know, I thought I would, I would make it to the World Cup one day. And, but unfortunately, my abilities didn't match up with my passion. But with, with anything I did, my parents said, eventually, when you, when you decide this, what you want to pursue, um, aim high, aim far, you know, don't, don't just try to be a participant, try to excel at, at whatever you do. And so once I decided that track and field was going to be my thing, it was, okay, what's the top level and, and, you know, what do I need to do? But when, when I started and I was jumping, you know, 11 meters to think 18 meters was even possible, you know, it was like, yeah, no chance. Um, you know, but it was like, I needed to set my sights on there. I needed to put that, that sticker in my locker or, to, you know, to put this in, in my, my training bag so I could almost see it and and almost just envision what it could be like if, if I were ever ever able to to make it to the top level. I love that passion for soccer. It's, it seems to be somewhere something really big there in Atlanta, isn't it? With the way Atlanta United's taken off there. I mean, is this just sort of the the, the hidden market in the US that they didn't realize was there that Atlanta just loves their soccer? Yeah, it's it's true. It's true. Um, you know, we always had uh, minor league teams, um, but what what really once once we got you know the MLS really bought in and and. Uh, Arthur Blank, um, you know, owner of the Falcons, you know, realized that that there is a strong presence of of uh, football, um, soccer fanatics, uh, you know, in Atlanta, and and you see the success of, of the team. So I, you know, it's definitely a sporting city, but um, also again, you know, from from playing travel ball to to I don't know, all my classmates and teammates were were so big in, into football, and and you know that just kind of uh, planted that seed early on. When you start progressing through the triple jump and kind of, you know, that is something you realize, okay, well, this might be a, a bit of a focus. Do you have to then really scale back and sort of all these other, uh, you know, events that you're doing? I mean, it's it sort of, it seems like gone are the days in athletics where you do have an athlete who's really doing the, the sprinting and the long jump and the triple jump. Like I, I remember back in Sydney, Marion Jones was going for what, five, five gold medals, uh, you know, right. in kind of, you know, five different events, but you just don't really see that anymore. I mean, kind of, was that a, a difficult decision to kind of scale back? And why, why do many athletes not kind of go for big sort of numbers like they used to? Yeah. Um, so I, I could say really all the way through college, I was doing multiple events. So I was, I was a 400 meter runner, uh, 200 meter runner, long jump, triple jump, of course the relays. Uh, it, it wasn't until I turned professional that I became specialized, uh, but all through, through youth and in, in, in junior stage, um, I, I was doing it all uh, because, because my parents just said, you know, jumping is great, but we still want you to be an athlete. And, you know, it, did, it didn't make sense that I was just doing one thing. Um, and, but when it comes to the professional level, I think it's one thing, and, and I think the saying goes for, for life, right? It's better to be great at one thing than to be good at, at many. Um, and, and I think this is almost the blessing and the curse uh, of the saying is, is, you know, you have shoe sponsors or you have agents or you have advisors, however you want to look at it. 
um, that say, look, you are, you have a great chance of being an Olympic champion, a world champion in this thing. Why jeopardize it? Why take that chance of maybe being a medalist participant or maybe not even um, in multiple things? And so I, I think when you have the, the Carl Lewis's, the Marion Jones, that, you know, these, these athletes that are one in, I, you know, I can't say a century, um, but, you know, really few and far between that, that really have um, this athletic ability like no other, um, you know, I, I really just, I think it highlights actually how special these athletes were that not only were they participating at a high level, but they were excelling at a high level. Um, you know, it, it shows you their mindset. It shows you how gifted they were, but, um, you know, on top of that, really just how natural, naturally gifted, uh, these athletes are. And, and it's not to, to belittle um, what myself or, or, you know, my, my competitors have, but I, I just think, you know, when it comes down to it, if I have to say, well, should I try multiple things or should I just go put all my eggs in one basket? You know, I, I think it's just safer to, to, to play it this way. What was that experience like your first ever international event? I believe the 2007 world youth championships, you, you walk away with a gold and a bronze, not bad for your first competition, but I mean, just kind of lining up there, team USA emblazoned on you. I mean, kind of, that must be a pretty special feeling through all those sports you're doing to kind of be there on an international stage representing your country at only the age of 17. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So to be very honest, I was not even aware of what, world youth championships were i i had no international experience uh again at this time i was still playing uh soccer right and so um i i went to the trials and didn't have my passport was not didn't even know it was a qualifying uh, competition and and won the competition and the, you know we had to do team processing to get ready to go to czech republic uh and I, I i was not even aware of what the team processing was and so actually my mom had to to send out my, my passport via FedEx, you know, overnight it. Um, so I could actually declare that I would go in this competition, but, you know, for me, it was just, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do track and, and, um, give it my all. But at the same time, you know, my passion was soccer and I just thought this would be a great way to stay in shape for that. Um, went over and, and, you know, got, got overseas and, and, got to this village and again, everything was very new, but it, it's very, my mindset was completely different than, than what it is now. Right. So I would have been thinking then about the travel, the jet lag, um, you know, how to adjust the training, making sure that my training was, was on par that, you know, the few days before I got, uh, got there and, and a few days before my competition, making sure I have massages and, and all these things. None of these things were relevant at that age. When you're 17, you're like, do I have candy in my bag? Um, you know, do I, did I pack my Game Boy? Uh, and, and you know, are, are there going to be girls on the team, right? So yeah. this was really my focus. Uh, went over there, won, and, and, and came third. And I just thought, you know what? Maybe there's something there. Maybe there, it is more than just a hobby. Uh, and so I think this was really my aha moment for my career. I definitely see that. I can't imagine coming back to, to soccer and going, hey, coach, yeah, I've done pretty well in my preparation for the team. I've just gone and won a gold and a bronze at the World Youth Championships in athletics. Does that does that help me, like, you know, get a starting <laughs> lineup on the team and get me better progress? I mean, I, I don't know how that kind of uh, the coach feels about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it definitely helped me you know, get off the bench. No, 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 it, you know, it definitely gave me, um, you know, some, some perks and the coach said, hey, look, you're fit. But my, my dad actually said, look, why don't we go and, and pursue do this full time because maybe we can get a scholarship with it. You know, he, he was very happy with the idea of maybe not have to, to pay for college. So, um, you know, that worked out really nicely. I started getting recruited and, and doors started opening. 
I don't usually like to ask the what if scenarios for for our guests who have gone on to great success in the sport that they ultimately chose. But I mean, had you stuck with soccer, I mean, kind of what were the prospects? Were, were there prospects for you to go forward to a World Cup? Like, were you sort of on that radar that potentially that could have been achieved? No, I, I really don't think so. I think my passion was really there. You know, I've, I've, I've played it all my life. Um, and so it, it was an absolute love of mine. Um, you know, I love the team camaraderie, traveling, everything that, that went with the sport. But as I said, my abilities did not match up with my passion. Um, you know, it was never a day that my dad didn't say, you know, go, go in, in, in juggle, go, go get some touches on the ball. Like I was, I was doing this day in day out, but I, you, some, sometimes you just don't have it. Right. But the things that the, the ability I did have was with, with the athletics and, and this was something that I was, you know, openly saying I was doing part-time I was doing just to stay in shape for soccer. Right. But um, when, when I had the success, it was like, maybe I'm, I'm actually walking through the wrong door. Maybe I need to reevaluate, um, what I'm doing and, and why I'm doing it. But yeah, at the end of the day, if you love something like that's, that's just tough. It was tough to walk away from that. It turns out I think you made the right decision there, Christian, just, just you know, <laughs> yeah. possibly there. What was given the win there, you're obviously very young world youth championships and everything you're talking about there. Was there any possibility for an appearance in Beijing? I mean, did you go to trials kind of, or were you sort of on a radar that you could have at least attempted there or was sort of, you know, the age and where you're at just not possible at that point? Yeah. So I, I did go to the trials. Um, but the thing is my, my, my level was so low, right? So I was jumping 15 meters at this time. Uh, you know, it took 17 plus to, to make the team, but, uh, for me, it was, it was great. I, I did almost like a exhibition event. So because of my age, they didn't even put me with the, the senior class, um, as a youth athlete, but I went and competed, jumped 15 meters, of course. And, and then, you know, I still st- uh, stayed to watch, um, you know, the, the, the trials and, and was really, my eyes were open. I was like, okay, not only is 18 meters, the, the goal of the world record, but this is what 17 meters looks like. Right. And this looked like leaps and bounds beyond where I was. So I, I just thought, you know what, like now I need to, I need to take the time. I need to start doing the research. I need to start studying. I need to, to start asking the questions. How did these guys get here? Um, and, and what do I need to change in, in my preparation? And, and that is actually, um, when my dad said, look, we, if we're going to do this, we're going to, we're going to get into it full time. And, and I started doing club track. And, and so basically track became year round. I, I can imagine that drive. You talked before sort of almost comparing it to golf, uh, you know, that, that frustration level where you maybe hit one good shot out of 20, like kind of, is it a similar thing when you're sort of aiming for those targets you're talking about, you know, getting to a, a, a 17, getting to an 18, kind of doing that, that when you're just, you're jumping, you're practicing, you're practicing and you're getting so close, you maybe you know, at a 16.99, like, ah, come on, like one more. I can just imagine it's that drive to get that one centimeter further. Sometimes it just keeps pushing you to go that distance. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you wouldn't believe, I mean, fast forwarding, uh, what, two years later, I was at my first um, indoor national championship uh, at the University of Florida. And I was at indoor nationals and, and actually jumped 1699, you know, and I, and I thought, really, you you guys could have given me one centimeter. Um, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, I thought, you know what, this this happened for a reason. And, you know, it was really that moment. It was like, now I know I can just push that much harder because I think if I would have gotten 17, I, I would have thought, hey, I made it. You know, I made it into the 17 meter club. Things are going right. But it was like, no, I jumped 1699. You guys couldn't give me a centimeter. I need to earn that centimeter. Um, and in next year, I, you know, I went 17, 1730. But, uh, you know, it was like these these little moments are the things that that really 
push you and fan the flame more than anything. And then again, fast forwarding uh, to, to 2011, you know, 21, my first world championships, I jumped 1798. Right. And, and I was like, really, you guys couldn't give me 18, 1796. And I was like, <laughs> you guys couldn't give me 18 meters, four centimeters, you know, but again, it was like, no, like nothing's going to be given, go back and freaking work for it. So, yeah. um, you know, these, these have been relatable moments in my career, but uh, you know, I, I, Really enough, am am super grateful for falling short in those moments. In in all that progression to then go to your first world championships and walk away with a gold medal, did you go into that event realistically thinking this was possible, or did you leave that event going, "Holy crap! I just I'm a world champion! Like, how did this how did this happen?" I absolutely left the event thinking, "What just happened?" Like, you know, I I, I really went in and national champion. I knew I was. I had the furthest distance in the world on paper, but that meant nothing. Uh, you know, when you're when you're in the championship, when you're on the runway, when you're going against the best in the world. So, respectively, you know, I, I knew what I was up against, but I, that was that is the coolest thing about being not even an underdog, like not even a a person on the board, right? Like I was not a pawn, I was not a knight, nothing. Uh, I was literally a participant. I went there and thought, hey, I have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Um, and then when I jumped 1796, I thought I might just might win this, you know, like my life is actually about to change. Um, I, you know, I not having a contract and I, you know, I, I left university, went back to moving with my parents. Um, and, and I just thought, you know what, this is all or nothing. Like I, I'm just going to better myself and, and go out there and see what I can do came back world champion and, and moved to Florida right after that. I was like, okay, I, I could be a professional track and field athlete. Yeah. Life a bit different then. I can imagine getting off that plane <laughs> yeah. back in, in, in Florida where, you know, not many people maybe knew who you were. Now you're a world champion. Okay. Slightly different. Might get a few extra phone calls like, you know, Christian, uh, would you like to sponsor, be sponsored, all that sort of stuff. I mean, what is that like then all of a sudden? And not just in that level of aspect, but like you mentioned in going into that, event not really expecting but now your name is on the radar you, you're a year out from an olympics you're the world champion so people all of a sudden are coming for you rather than you coming for them yeah so that that was the blessing and the curse of it right so feeling like you have everything to gain no no target whatsoever um you know every media outlet was talking about the experience we i was going to get and and how much i was going to learn from this not to be too difficult on myself walked out with the gold and it was like oh well now you've set the bar here you can only go up. Right. And, and that was, yeah, for, for about six months, you know, I rode that wave and it was, it was awesome. Right. Like I, I did get the calls. I did get a sponsorship. I, um, you know, I, I, I bought me a Volkswagen golf. Right. So I was like, man, like my life is, is going really well. Um, you know, I moved to Daytona beach. So I, I, I had, you know, the beach, uh, life and and i was i was really living living good um but the problem is i got to olympic trials and and it was no longer talk about experience it was talk about winning the olympics and i thought how can how can we talk about winning something i've never been to i you know i i i, I don't know anything about the stage i'm 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 you know almost that saying like you're not in kansas anymore right like i was like yeah uh, i gotta put on my big boy pants and 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 once this hit you know the pressure just became very real. 
I love this aspect of making it and you buy yourself a Volkswagen Golf. That that's that's the achievement <laughs> right there. I think you know, screw the Olympic gold, screw the world champion. You got a Volkswagen Golf. <laughs> yeah, every, I mean, you know, everyone was like, "Go, go get you a Range Rover." Go, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like those things just drink gas." Like. No, I, I really want a golf. And, and that was one of my proudest moments. <laughs> Do you still have it? Is it something you've kept? No, or? no, no. Because I moved to, I actually moved to the UK in 2013. So actually I only had it for one year and then yeah, oh. I had to get rid of it. But wow. I had a really a nice year. Nice, nice. The experience of going to your first Olympics, before we sort of obviously talk about the win, I always love hearing uh, from our guests sort of that that initial moment when you're there, you're an Olympian, you're, you're soaking up the atmosphere. And obviously this was in the good old days of the Olympics, Christian, when we had fans and atmosphere mm-hmm. and all that kind right. of stuff. And London obviously put on an amazing game. So you, do you remember what it was like kind of just arriving in London and soaking up all that atmosphere as an American Olympian? Absolutely, yeah. So it was completely overwhelming. I mean, I did all the team processing, watched all the orientation video, all that stuff. It, like it's, it's important and it's good, but when you get to an Olympic city, right? Like when you land, you get off the plane, it is just overwhelming. It, it is like so much energy. The Olympic spirit is, it feels it like no other, right? So I, I told you, I moved to the UK. I've flown in and out of London, all the time, numerous times. And, but when I landed in London for the Olympics, it was like this rush. I got off the plane and this rush of energy, like you were here for something special and everyone knows it, you know? So you go through this special line and you're in the line with just athletes from around the world. Right. And even the passport control is just wishing you well. And everyone is just in such good spirits. Uh, you know, the, the host, uh, country wants to just show the best of, of their country and, and, you know, it's just smiles all around. There's gifts all around. There's, I mean, just this positive energy. Then it was, you know, oh my gosh, now I get to go to the notorious Olympic village. Everyone who <laughs> says, you know, what happens in a village stays in the village. Uh, how crazy it is. I'm actually going to experience this, get there, get my accreditation, get to my room. And yeah, it almost felt like the first day of going on the college campus, US, US college campus, right? There's everyone is just super happy. Everyone's moving in. Everyone's trying to to really uh, get uh, like adequate like with with everything around them and you know just just make sure everything is is in their spot. Um, but yeah, you see friends and 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 you know or or old teammates and things like this from around the world and you know it's this reunion. But I, I mean, I I can just say it's this rush that you get um, in every step. And I think I was just riding that high for for about three or four days. Um, I, I, I was just so happy to be there. Uh, but then, you know, the reality hits that, okay, it's no longer fun. Like you're here to do a job. And, and when that sunk in, that's when the pressure, the nerves, um, you know, the, the weight of you're not representing yourself, you're representing your country. You need to come here and, and contribute to the, to the team medal count. Um, you know, they're, they're kids looking up to you there, you know, and, and that's when it became actually quite scary. Right. So it was almost a complete 180 flip to from, you know, riding this wave to to try not to drown, um, you know, to try to stay afloat. In in the final, you miss your first two jumps. You're on the cusp of uh, being done. What, what goes through the mind after that second jump that you can turn that around into obviously eventually jumping at 17.81 to win the gold? I mean, I can, I can imagine just everything going there that you've got to psych yourself up to kind of keep yourself in that competition. 
Yeah. Um, for, to be honest, the, the reason I screwed up the first two rounds was because I was too psyched up. Like I was, I was trying to make something happen that just wasn't there. You know, I, I got so amped up that I was like, I'm not even going to sit here and try to win. I'm going to try to blow like the doors off. I'm going to go here and break the world record. My first jump, uh, you know, shock the crowd, shock my opponents and, and sit back and just enjoy the night went and fouled my first two. And I was like, wow, I'm actually about to take myself out of this competition altogether. Um, you know, and, and at this moment, my coach just told me like, I need to relax and watch, like just take in being at the Olympics. And we sat and watched the 800 meter um, final. And this was when David Rudisha ran the world record. Um, and, you know, that was such an amazing moment. And, you know, he, then he told me, go and be a part of this night because this is going to be a historic night. I went back and got a legal jump in my third one, made it to the finals. Um, and after that, I just thought, you know what? Like, I'm not going to psych myself out. Like, I, I belong here. You know, I, I at least should be a medalist, but just go and, and, and put it all out there. Fourth jump was 1781. And that's when I knew I was like, OK, now I'm here to compete. Now I'm showing, you know, what I'm capable of. And, and you know, I, I got back into it. But to be honest, I, I was my my biggest opponent there. I was the thing that was psyching myself out the most because I just, I wasn't going for gold. I was, I was just going to like, to be legendary. Um, and, th and that was, that was almost, you know, what, what took it away from me. Must be a pretty special feeling then to kind of walk away with a gold, stand there in front of the stadium, star spangled banner playing, you know, you, you one, two for the U S first time the U S had gone one, two in the triple jump since Barcelona first gold for the U S since Atlanta and triple jump. I mean, you can probably never describe what that felt like uh, there, Christian, but I mean, that then, all those sports that you would try to go through, kind of everything that you had gone to get to that point, I mean, it, it's all worth it for that point, isn't it? Yeah, so, for, for, I mean, that that was it. That was the, the proudest moment of my life. That was the biggest achievement of my life. Uh, the World Championships, completely unexpected. This one was completely unexpected, but it was like, wow, I actually you know, I, I showed the world that last year wasn't a fluke. I, I, I proved to myself, I proved to my family. Um, you know, I also, I, I left school. So I, I had one more year of school. I, I for, uh, you know, forgo my, my senior year and, and, you know, I, I showed that this was the right decision, right? Like I, it, it was smart that I became a professional athlete, but I, I just felt like that was the moment where it, it was officially like, this was the right choice track and field was the right choice. Triple jump was the right choice. Like life, life is good. And, and I, I really here in the star spangled banner, you know, I didn't go to sleep that night. I, I held, I held the, the, the metal in my arms, like, like a baby, you know, in, in the bed, but you know, I was, I was just, just back on this, this high that I thought would never end. Just on that. I always love to find out from our medalists, what they do with their medals. Uh, we'll obviously talk about Rio in just a moment, but uh, what do you do with them? Are they on display? Are they kind of just in a drawer? Like, uh, you know, what do you do with your two Olympic gold? Yeah, so mine's actually in a safety deposit box in the bank um, because I, I don't even have a house at the moment. So I, I felt like almost like a rolling stone. I uh, The following year, right after that, I moved to, to the UK. So, you know, I didn't want to be traveling with it too much. And then uh, three years after that, I moved to Holland. Um, so, you know, with all the moving, I just thought, you know what, let me put it in a safe place. Um, and whenever I come home or do an appearance, I can, I can take it out. But uh, safety was key. And, and yeah, I just wanted to have that peace of mind. 
I can imagine you just go to the bank when you're there and just kind of, oh, I just need a moment, let me open my deposit box, <laughs> yeah. just kind of, you know, take it in, here they are, <laughs> you know, have a moment with my medals, <laughs> kind of that. I mean, obviously in between uh, London and Rio, further success, I mean, it's, it's almost like you just lit a fuse and then kind of everything went from you there. I mean, I mentioned in the intro, four-time world champion, I mean, besides 2013 when you went in injured, you basically just dominate triple jump across that and then ultimately going in into Rio. I mean... What is, is there just a level of momentum that you just kind of ride across the years that you just kind of bring into it to kind of continue that dominance? I mean, kind of, is there a secret to it, Christian, that you can kind of do that? Because, I mean, really only seems that the only thing that stopped you over the last 10 years is, is injuries. Yeah, yeah. No, it, a momentum definitely plays a big part uh, for you, but also it's, you know, you get this push to your back, but you also, for the opponents, they feel it, they respect it, right? Like if someone's in a groove, it's it's hard to get them out of it. Um, and I've found that in sport, it's it's so mental. It's, you know, you just wouldn't believe it. A lot of the competitions I won were not because I'm more talented or I have, uh, you know, I train harder. No, it's, it's, it's the mentality, right? Like you can, you can speak to someone and know how confident they are. You can, um, watch the, the trends or watch the progressions of, of athletes and, and see, you know, how much they trust their training or, or where they are in their training, things like this. And, and this is once I, I told you, I started studying the sport. This is what I started doing. Um, I, not only was I studying like myself and, and how critiquing myself, but I was, I was studying my opponents. Right. So I used to see how, um, my opponents would react when they had a bad result and use this wisely against them. Um, I would see how they would react when they did well and, and see how I could take them out of their game. Um, you know, and, and maybe this sounds uh, wrong uh, or unsportsmanlike, but at the, the, the end of the day, um, you know, I, I, I do it in a, in a correct manner. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like this, these are elements that are part of the sport. You know, um, it's it, it's if you're not taking the time to get to know the ins and outs um, of it, the ins and outs of being a, a top competitor, the ins and outs of of you know winning, um, uh, and and you know for me this is this is what separated me. And so um, from from the juniors now to to those that I've been jumping with for ten years, I, I feel like I know my opponents better than they know themselves. You know, and, and when I find this, you know, it, it really throws them off their game. But I think if you're going to if you're going to show it, I, I might as well utilize it. Which, I mean, at the end of the day, if say you had gone on to a World Cup appearance in, in soccer. I mean, if you're out in the field there with your teammates, you're going to be doing what you can to maybe have a bit of a chirp at your opponents. Kind of, you know, it's it's all part of the game, isn't it? In, say, a team sport. So why why isn't it any different in a sport like triple jump where, again, yeah. at the end of the day, your ultimate goal is to win a gold medal and be, you know, Olympic and world champion. So it's kind of the same. That is it. And and I can say really, and, and I try to, to tell my opponents now, but with social media, everyone is putting so much out there that I think if you're going to offer it to me on a, on a silver platter, I would be foolish not to take it. Right. Yeah. So if, if you're showing me that things aren't going well in training, but you expect uh, some breakthrough, well, don't don't think that I'm not going to bring this topic up when we're competing. Right. Like, don't think I'm going to plant that seed of doubt that you have offered to me. Um, you know, and, and so when, when sponsors or, uh, when my fans are saying, why don't you post more about, about behind the scenes? Why are you not posting, um, your training and, 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 uh, your injuries? And I said, well, how, how could I, 
If I know I'm using this against my opponents, why would I give them the same thing, right? So, um, yeah, it's it's. The, I think these are the the, the different uh, tools that I've I've kept to my tool belt, but these are also uh, skills of of what it's taken to to, to reach the top and, and to stay at the top. I love that. I love hearing that kind of strategy, even just outside of a competition. That I'm not going to post something on social media because somebody could use that. That's brilliant. Like I just kind of love that the the mindset's always there, Christian, on on competition, no matter what. <laughs> exactly it's just working that way no days I mean, off no days off exactly exactly being being an olympic champion is nice you know it's kind of you know a good thing to to go out on you'll always have that there but being a double olympic champion is even better i would say <laughs> i mean yeah. you, le- you leave rio with another gold two-time olympic champion i, I mean again similar to the question i asked before about that moment you're on the dais in, in london but i mean when you get back from rio and you've got two of these now. I mean, every realistic chance you could go for a third, become only the second triple jump champion in history to go for three in a row. I mean, do, again, do you take these moments to kind of realize your achievements, kind of what you, you're doing at that point? Because, I mean, two Olympic gold medals is something that uh, isn't really that common, unless you're Michael Phelps, but that's a whole other conversation. Right, right. Um, yeah, no, this this was even greater pressure than, than London. Um, you know, I went in with... I felt like if I came second, it was a fail. You know, it was I was world Olympic champion and I I had to win. You know what? By this time, I was I was two time world champion, but it was like I, I had to win um, in this pressure. Yeah, it, this was the worst pressure I've had in my career um, because I, I just thought I, I have to be perfect. And yeah um fortunately I, I i did win and and you know when the anthem went off i i was just crying the whole time because i just thought wow i you know i did i didn't let anyone down you know by this time i was a a mentor to to many students across the us and i didn't want to let my students down you know that that was just so important to me um you know and and i know now you know win or lose that they would love me and cheer for me regardless but you know i i just thought you know what i'm representing them like i i have to give it my all i have to like i i there was there was no second place um and so i i guess when i came back instead of being extremely excited about it i i just felt extremely relieved you know i was like okay now i have another four years to feel that pressure again but i'm just going to enjoy not having it for the next you know four years and and Really enough, you know, I went to the next few uh, world championships and and almost felt like I skated through it, you know, because I was like, no pressure can be greater than the Olympic one. Uh, and and I ended up winning two more world championships with this mentality, thinking, you know what, like, it's not the Olympics, it's not the Olympics. And and then we get to, to 2020 and, and all that had in store. Which I guess... You know, that's a, that's a whole other kettle of fish when it comes to talking about that. But ultimately, you, you get injured just before the Olympics this year. I can't make it, unfortunately. But it's kind of one of these moments where had the Olympics gone ahead as they were meant to last year, uh, I mean, you know, you might have got it injured. Who knows? But do you kind of how do you reflect on sort of the last 12 months in terms of that, knowing that? you know, how you were going in 2020 leading to a normal Olympics in terms of when they're hosting versus how it went in 2021. I mean, obviously I can imagine it was difficult to obviously get that injury and kind of have to pull out, but I mean, kind of is, how do you sit here now sort of reflecting on how it is and continue that drive then going towards Paris? Yeah. Um, you know, all I can honestly say, you know, because I mean, it's taken counseling, it's, it's taking self-reflection. So it's, it's been quite a ride to, to really 
accept and, and get to the, the place I am now. But, you know, the reality is like it is what it is, as cliche as that sounds. Um, you, you know, there was there were many moments when I thought, wow, one year ago, I would have been Olympic champion. You know, I had what it took. I, I had the momentum coming off of 2019 World Championships. Uh, you know, I was in the right state of mind. I was physically the right place. Uh, but the thing is, it wasn't 2020. It was t- Tokyo 2021. And, and I had to accept that. Um, but the thing is, uh, what got me to this place and what's, what's got me success again is, is the mental part, right? It's, it's not the physical and I've had physical setbacks before, uh, but it's been my mentality that, that really got me out of, out of those trenches. My faith is strong and, and my support system is strong. You know, my, my, my wife and, and my family, you know, when, when I tore my Achilles, you know, not for one moment, did they ever even talk to me about ending my career? It was like, Hey, Paris is in three years, you know, and, and for me, this is, this is the secret behind my success. You know, I can, I can be strong mentally, but there are days I, I am human. There are many days that I'm like, it's cold. Like, I don't want to go out. It's raining. I don't want to go out, you know, and, but I have, my parents, I have my wife, I have my sister, you know, I have these people that call me on these days, call me out on these days. Um, and they're like, no, if you want to be the best, go out there and train, you know, and, and, and this is the same, these are the same people that, you know, I, I had the surgery 12 hours after, after I, I ruptured my Achilles. And these were the same first people to call me to say like, Hey, don't do something stupid, you know, and, and try to walk the first day. Um, but also, we don't expect you to be laying in the bed 24 seven. Like you need to go find a gym. You need to go do something because Paris is in three years, you know? And, and I just thought, wow, like how lucky am I to have such positive people around me, such people that want to see me succeed and know what I'm capable of. Right. And, and know that my story isn't over. And so, you know, these are the things that, that really fan the flame. These are the things that, uh, that have gotten me to this past success, but I think will also help me end my career, you know, on a high and, and get me back to, to where I need to be. I love that motivation. And I'm just saying too, Christian, uh, Brisbane, 2032, 11 more years away. You've got plenty of time to kind of come to Australia <laughs> and, and uh, you know, that'll be what, about your fifth Olympics by then. So, yeah. you know, like kind of just uh, keep keep pushing towards that. <laughs> just saying. Uh, now, we, we like to close out each interview with a series of fun sort of get to know you questions. Now, these are based on a Team Canada questionnaire that they gave their athletes ahead of Rio and Pyeongchang. As always, there is a drawing element. If you want to do it, you can draw a picture of a Canadian animal, Christian. If you really are desperate to, uh, shoot it through to us and we can put that up on our social media, but we don't expect you to. It's okay. That's not a requirement of answering this. Now, the first question, you're allowed to answer your own as well. Uh, Your favourite ever Olympic moment is? Ooh. um, Yeah, I would would say all of Michael Phelps um, in Beijing. Yep. Just a few, just a couple there. That kind of, is yeah, it, I, I can't say one specific, but I mean, yeah. yeah is it something that when you're in the village and, you know, you, you, your team USA, you're the cool kids on the block, and then all of a sudden you, you there's there's your teammate, Phelpsy. There he is, a couple of gold around the net. You just bump into him, casual little, congrats, Michael, and just kind of go back <laughs> on your day, like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's 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 bad, right? And and I, you know, I, I went to school with with uh, Ryan Lochte, and and you know, wow. so it was like it, it it was pretty, you know, like we had a strong swimming uh, feeling at the university. But I mean, 
Michael Phelps. I've got, I've got it. You've dangled that carrot in front of me. We love Ryan on this show. Do you have any fun Ryan Lochte school moments that you can share with us today? <laughs> I, I would say nothing, nothing different of what you guys haven't seen on TV <laughs> or social. I mean, Ryan is Ryan, right? Um, you know, but I, I think this this character, it was almost a yin and yang. I, I think he definitely brought entertainment to the pool. That's that's a good way of putting it. You, you never got invited to be on his reality show potentially as a guest appearance, or yeah, I was I was in the UK at this time, so yeah. I you know I was I was watching it on on the E channel, <laughs> um, you know, watching them have fun in Gainesville. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you could choose any Olympic host city, where would it be? Ooh, um, yeah. So Tokyo is my favorite city, and that just happened. Um, ooh. To be to be honest, uh, I I really always I've heard so many things about Sydney. Um, I I would really just like to experience that for myself. Yeah, good answer, and you, you're pleasing our audience as well with that. So uh, you, you're ticking all the boxes. I like it. Uh, <laughs> in in your spare time, what do you most like to do? Uh, plan like plan travel. Um, I I, I want to see the world. Uh, my my wife and I, I mean, we just got married and, and we wanted to go to Tahiti uh, in, in two weeks. But due to COVID, this travel has has now been um, now postponed for the second year straight. Uh, so it's it's just been brutal. Like we we love traveling so much. And, and you know, so I, I think that's that's what we're doing now. Now it's just how can we travel back and forth from Europe? But, uh, you know, we, we just want to we just want to see the world and and. That's really we're just planning future trips. We're just thinking about Paris twenty twenty four. The surfing's being held in Tahiti, so you have got three years to get into surfing, <laughs> and you probably ace that too, Christian. So therefore, you know, you get to see Tahiti come in at an Olympics. So right, right, you know, just uh, all the things there. What is your favorite workout? Mm, um, I would say anything. I know this probably sounds pretty cheesy, but anything in the sand. Um, you know, I'm I'm in Jacksonville Beach now, so any anytime I can go to the beach and and. Uh, yeah, just, just be brutal, you know, run the bridges and, and just run up and down the sand, jump up and down the sand. Um, the sand is just so unforgiving, you know, it, every step takes it out of you. It's, it, I mean, you, you got to land in that a few hundred times in your career. Exactly. So I guess you have to kind of get used to the sand, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> kind of your friend, basically. Um, if you could have lunch with any one person, who would it be? Obama. Oh, for sure. Answer. I like it. Didn't even hesitate on that too. I love no, it. No, I'm, do you not, so, do you not get an invitation to the White House as a two-time gold yeah, medalist? I've, I've met him, um, you know, but the thing is you said lunch, right? So it's one thing to shake a hand and, hey, congratulations. It's another thing to be like, yeah, just, just I, you know, I would I would have an open mic with him. Like I wouldn't even ask a question. I would let yeah. him take the conversation wherever he wanted, like whatever he wanted to share. Um, I mean, you know, because at the present, I mean, they, they got secrets, right? So yeah. like I would I would hate to like ask a question and he's like, oh, I was willing to tell you like what was going on here, but you wanted to ask it, you know, so I would just be like, shoot, like, yep. floor is open yours. Mic. Go yeah. for it. Wow. Say what you want. Yeah. A couple like, of beers in him might open up. <laughs> This is, this is the truth about Putin. Uh, exactly. Kind of. exactly. <laughs> Go with yeah. that. I like your North thinking. Korea, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> I just didn't hear it all. Yeah. It's what I really think about Trump. Um, your favorite sandwich is? BLT. Mm, yes. Yeah. Good answer. I like it. I, sh- I, I, I learned from before the interview not to ask you about food because it just makes me hungry. God, I just I need to learn <laughs> right. from my own mistakes here. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? 
Ooh. Um, ooh. I would probably say invisibility. Oh, yeah. That, that would be awesome. I like that. Uh, best candy in the world is? Oof. Uh, sour sour uh, punch straws. Nice. It's just a, a thing of sugars, a strip of sugar. <laughs> sour popular. As a kid, your favorite sports team were? Ooh. Um, yeah, Chicago Bulls. Yes. I'm a big Michael Jordan fan. Great answer. I like hearing that. Uh, what is your favorite sports movie? Ooh. Um, wow, that's a good one. Oh, Cool Runnings. Yes. Yes. Oh, always <laughs> a good answer. And, I mean, bobsleigh could be a possibility too, right? Do they try and recruit, like, kind of, you know, you're on a shorter run than the sprinters? I mean, is that something that could be a possibility? No chance. I, I am <laughs> such a sucker with the cold. I, I told you I just left Austria because I'm trying to escape the cold. No, no, no chance. No, 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 no Beijing appearance in a few months' time. No. Uh, and the final question for you today, Christian, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Seychelles. Ah. So beautiful, just so much nature. Um, yeah, and actually not so many people. Yeah, and that's one of the best flags in the world too. That is a beautiful-looking right? flag. Super, the colours yeah. and everything that on it, that really is nice. great one there. Uh, before we let you go, Christian, uh, if people want to sort of keep up to date on your journey, social media, anything along those lines, where, where can they find you, where can they follow you, or, or plug anything that you want to sort of plug on your, on your way out today? Yeah, please um, follow, uh, share. Uh, yeah, just um, Taylor to jump, T-A-Y-L-O-R, E-D, the number two jump. Uh, I think that's what I was born for, so it seems quite fitting. Yeah, I, I kind of think with the, the success you've had, possibly might be what you're born for. Christian, <laughs> it's been an absolute honour to chat with you today to learn more about this and everything else in between, and we, we look forward to seeing you get that third gold in Paris in only three years' time. But it's a pleasure speaking to you on the show on Off the Podium Come today. on. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Absolute massive, massive pleasure there to have Christian on the show. Many thanks for his time. And, yeah, I mean, going to school with Ryan Lochte, that is uh, probably a fun time. I'll just uh, leave it at that. In the meantime, we've got some great interviews coming your way here on Off the Podium. We say this at the end of every single episode, but we obviously do mean it. So many great people to chat to, both winter and summer, in the lead-up to Beijing and some other great episodes coming your way. If you want to stay up to date with everything that we're doing, Off the Podium on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and, of course, all the podcast platforms. Choose your favourite. Choose your poison. Search for Off the Podium. Mash that subscribe button. Leave us some feedback. Leave us a rating. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. And if you miss any of our episodes and you want to go back and listen to them again of course you can find them all on those platforms and catch up as we bring you more and more great episodes along the way big thanks again to christian big thanks to everyone for tuning in today my name is ben and as always go left Turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese, I